episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is um, a number of things. Number one, he is a person named Richard. Number two, he is definitely a wizard. And number three, he is a huge Lords of the Fallen fan. <laughs> I couldn't even get through that with a straight face. Uh, you guys probably know Richard. He's from the We're Not Wizards podcast, and he's awesome and a very good friend. Please enjoy the episode. If you like it, go rate it on iTunes. And I will see you after the show. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I've listened to a bunch of these, like pretty much all of them. Um, I'm not going to be as excited as as Paolo. And I'm also not going to go. I'm hopefully not going to go to such a dark place that Liam went. <laughs> I don't expect any good lore stuff off me, like um, um, Fiona. Yeah. It'll hopefully be potentially sixty-three percent as funny as um, CJ and Paddy, and definitely not as professional as Cole and Gary. So. <laughs> That's what, I'm, that's what I'm giving you tonight. Um, By the time this comes out, their episode should be out and ready to go. I have my well, that's, my timing to work out right. <clears throat> good stuff. I'm excited about it. What? Um, tell me why you think Lords of the Fallen is better than Dark Souls. Really, I can't believe, <laughs> believe you're asking me that question. I mean, it's obvious. I mean, from let's start with just the basic presentation from the beginning and the fact that. Um, the uh, Lords of the Fallen has decided to actually spend some decent time um, on their intro screen where they've animated <laughs> slightly the man breathing on the front page and even gone down to an- animating the fur that he's wearing around himself. Mm-hmm. Um, down to the fact that they've opted for multiple skill trees in the menu and that um, you can have multiple weapons and various arms. And um, in order to help you attack bad guys that the the game itself sometimes slows down so you can get your, your hit thing. <laughs> so now when you say slows down, do you enter into some sort of like bullet time thing? Or is this just straight is, up yeah, like I mean, this is just straight up much, like a no, frame rate reduction? No, this isn't no, this isn't that debacle that was Blight Town. Um this is, you know, pro bullet time that you can get in and you can get your proper um you can get your proper hits in. I mean I'd advise I mean it's free on PlayStation Plus. And as you know, PlayStation Plus, they just don't give away anything for free. I mean, they've got a high filter of their quality. So when I knew that they were giving away <laughs> Lords of the Fallen on the UK PlayStation Plus, I knew that it was going to be something very special. And I knew that Sony were treating us UK people just as, you know, as, as almost as if a father would teach his daughter when he's walking her up the aisle kind of thing. Mm-hmm, I mean, that's the kind mm-hmm. of level we were at. I think it's, it's a hidden gem. I think more people should play it. It certainly opened my eyes to many of the flaws that Dark Souls really needs to fix if it wants to reach the levels of Lords of the Fallen. Yeah, <laughs> what, 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 do you, what do you think this Dark Souls games, like, what do you think their worst failings are? Let's just get right into it. Um, I think, you know, when I started up the series, I was expecting um, entertainment. I was expecting um, a little bit of fun. Um, I was expecting to have, you know, multiple battles with lots of enemies. I mean, Dark Souls is is taking me down a path which contained nothing of that. I mean, it was a high, it was, 
It was a level nine disappointment from the way that you started that up. I mean, you didn't even get like let, let's face it, right? They don't have stories. They don't have these lovely cutscenes that you get where you get pictures of characters and then you get the text you can read. Mm-hmm. They don't have anything like that. Um, they don't have a jazzy guitar intro, which most of the really good games out there have some kind of musical instrument, kind of a jazzy guitar or even a saxophone. So mm-hmm. they don't have anything like that. They had this horrible orchestra type thing. And then they had this voiceover and talking about kind of dragons. I mean, come on, talk about <laughs> tropes. Dragons. I do, uh, dragons. admittedly, I've not played the amount of Lords of the Fallen that you have. And, like, admittedly, I've... like, I'm much more on the soul side of things. I know you've put in hundreds, if not even, even to the four or five digits worth of hours. I've, thousands, if not know, ten thousands on, on, of hours. On several occasions, I've phoned in sick into my work when the Lords of the Fallen itch has fully grabbed me with both hands. I mean, seriously, when that game gets hold of you, <laughs> Anne Orlando, it just doesn't even cut it. I mean, Lords of the Fallen... <laughs> Lords of the Fallen is where it's at. I mean, time's going to tell on this, yeah? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, in ten years, in ten years, there's not going to be any books written about Dark Souls. It's all going to be about Souls of the Fallen, or excuse me, Lords Lords of the Fallen. It's getting into your mind. It's even you're even thinking. It's you're thinking of them in the same breath. You know, Lords of the Fallen, Souls of the Fallen. It's all it's all coming back to you. It's like Ghostbusters too. People are still going to look back in ten years' time and realize that Ghostbusters two is a better film than the original Ghostbusters. (laughs) <laughs> That's what happened when Empire Strikes Back in Star Wars. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Let these let let two white guys tell you about why this media is great from fifty years from now. <laughs> let you get white tell you why this predominantly white cast film is really really good for your culture. <laughs> you know, I, I don't normally do this, but but I want to I want to say this just right off the bat. Thank you very much for for joining the podcast. Um, you and I have gotten to know each other for a while over various podcasts and. Um, between we're not wizards and you guessed it on a dark insight and drawing funny pictures of me and all of that yeah. stuff. Like this is, this has been a long time coming. So I'm, I'm glad that you were finally in the, in the guest seat of don't give up skeleton. I can't just believe I now spent the last six and a half minutes talking absolute pure truth. about the real. <laughs> yeah. I really expected you to come on this podcast and lie, but you were dropping truth no. bombs about Lords. Of the I Fall. mean, I've been, I'll tell you something I have been doing. I have had to be going about looking up Wikipedia pages so I could read more about Dark Souls, so I could talk about it. <laughs> I don't remember. Does Lords of the Fallen have a message system? Like, do you think I could come up with a reasonable podcast name based on the Lords of the Fallen uh, messaging system? I don't know. I'm trying to think. I don't know if it does. Would it be like, think... don't drop the axe, bro? You know, <laughs> bro. I mean, don't, don't, don't fall over, Lord, bro. <laughs> well, let's you not. Know, people... No, let's. People are just going to listen to this and turn off. This is going to be this is going to be the opposite to the Dark Insight podcast, where we had four thousand listens. This is gonna be, <laughs> people are going to be like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> um, it's kind of interesting because while I'm talking absolute nonsense, my journey into Dark Souls is a very, very um, it's actually quite a somber affair, okay. and um, there's stuff that I'm going to tell which is, um, it's kind of interesting. Um, I 
what does he want to how do you normally start this how did you get into dark souls that's that's the question that inspired the podcast so like what was your first souls game or your first from software game what was the what was the game that set you on the path it was most of was the listeners have, has have gone down i've not, I've not listened to the other ones so i'm not sure <laughs> i'm joking i've listened to a lot of episodes <laughs> i'm sending like you're just gonna cut me out and i'm gonna be edited to me oh, just yes. saying oh, i'm yes. annoying i'm annoying i'm annoying, I'm annoying. <laughs> Um, ja, um, June 2012 was when I um, finally got into Dark Souls. Okay. And um, 2012 is going to be marked down as potentially the the, the strangest um, year of my life because in March of that year, I basically, my father passed away and then I got remarried and then had my father's funeral the day after I got my got remarried. Oh geez. It's a bummer honeymoon yeah. man. You didn't you yeah, didn't well, yeah. you know, it was so that was the start of the year and I guess um for some re- I don't know why, but for for some reason I was I was um I was I was kind of playing the PlayStation three kind of on and off, but nothing kind of too serious. And then I saw on a on a forum that I was a, a kind of a member of, um, people kind of, this Dark Souls thread kept kind of popping up and up and up all, all the time and people were constantly talking about it. And one of the fascinating things about it was everybody was still very, very wary of spoilers. And everybody was also very, very wary of it, of ruining somebody else's experience that it got to the point where people were using code words in order to describe <laughs> various bosses. Sure. So you would get, you know, you would get a post on there saying, you know, have you, um, you know, did you, did you take down TD? Yet? And it's like, well, no, no, I, you know, I, I couldn't. It says, where, what can I do? It says, well, there's gold pine resin in a chest. If you head through um, UB, and if you get a certain <laughs> key, and. I I mean I mean I'm I'm fascinated by this. I'm I'm following the chat, and then people are talking about kind of um, you know, praise the sun, and then somebody else is talking about well, I'm doing my one bro run, and um, I'm coming up again. You know, I've got my hand axe, and oh, it's just all this weird kind of code that I kind of knew meant something. But the incredible fact was that you you had people kind of interjecting gameplay with kind of the lore. And I read this, and then I, I picked up. I, I must have picked up. I mean, this is twenty twelve. I think it was three years after the release of Dark Souls. And Dark Souls was it two thousand nine? No, no, no. Demon Souls was two thousand nine. Dark Souls had Benst. come out uh, fall twenty eleven. All right, okay. So you weren't you weren't too um, you weren't too far off the boat. Not yeah, just about a couple of years. But um, <laughs> I picked up um, I picked up a, a really cheap copy of Dark Souls and. Um, I remember it being it was obviously it was it was June and it was three months after events had all had all happened and and um I was my mind wasn't in the right place at the time that obviously had a had a lot of things going on. But then Dark Souls kinda made sense because I'd gone through a raft of emotions. And my head wasn't my head wasn't in the right place. I wasn't concentrating at home. I wasn't concentrating at 
at work, you're just kind of a mixture of emotions, people telling you to be happy because you got married, other people asking you if you're okay because you were dealing with, you know, a loss of you know, from a dad. And in the middle of it all, there was dark souls that did the same thing every single time, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that you could, when you fired up a game, when you first fired up the game and um, you got out the cell, you grabbed the key, prizes as you make your way through the the kind of the undead asylum. When the asylum demon jumps down, after the first couple of times, he was kind of no. He wasn't a big surprise, but he was there. He was always there. And I think with um, <clears throat> everything that was kind of going on at the time, it was a it was something that was kind of dependable because you'd wake up one day and you'd feel really, really happy. You'd wake up another day and you were feeling not in the best place and not always able to concentrate. But I just remember... I I just re- I remember the getting in past the asylum, demon, getting into Undeg Berg, and then I must have spent what twenty, ten, fifteen, twenty hours just running through Undeg Berg <laughs> again and again and again and again, and I just thought this game's just rubbish. <laughs> I don't like. This. I am. Um, was it common for you to spend that much time on a game that you didn't think was particularly great, or were you? Do you know what it was? Do you know what it was? It was the fact that you were. Um, and somebody coined this phrase, and I think I, I read it first in a in a magazine called Edge, a UK magazine, that you were kind of um, you were going forward by inches. So even though, even though you were having to do the same thing again and again and again, at the same time, it was comforting to be doing the same thing again and again and again it was a uniform it was kind of a uniform thing to do um and sometimes you didn't mind dying because you knew as you went through it you knew how to tackle you know certain things you would run in you would get the guy you know you would run up the bridge you would um run up to where the bonfire is um and then you would when you reach the bonfire in, in Undegburg. When you came out, you would run out to the right and you would hit the guy at the parapet with the bow. You would then wait for the guy to come running up the steps. There'd be the two firebomb guys up on the total left. There'd be the guy that'd be charging towards you over the bridge. And that never, ever changed. Every single time, it would be the same. And the only thing that changed would be how far you would get. You know, obviously, you would then get through that, kill the three guys in the room, then run into the room, then run up the side stairs and then face the two guys up there before you, you know, before you face them, the guy with the spear and the shield for the first time. And that was just, and I spent, I think I spent ages and ages and ages doing that. And then I came across the Black Knight and the Black Knight, (laughs) me being, I don't know what, I could I couldn't even remember when I learned to kind of level up or anything like that. But I remember spending a long time trying to take down this Black Knight because he was there. Because <laughs> he was there. He wouldn't be there yeah. unless he was supposed to be there, unless you were supposed to kill him. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I only discovered, like, the merchant that was there after goodness knows how long. So, I mean, I wasn't 
I wasn't buying anything. You know, I didn't know how humanity worked, even though because I kind of checked the kind of some sources and stuff like that, but I wasn't still a hundred percent sure how stuff worked. And then when I finally figured out humanity, and then the little symbol glows up the um, the top left. All of a sudden, all these like white signs are appearing and stuff, and I'm like, mm-hmm. going, "What the heck is this about?" The first time you, you summon somebody, it's terrifying <laughs> because <laughs> it's not like being invaded where you get a little sign coming up. You're kind of like, "Oh, what happens?" It's like, "Do you want to summon this phantom?" And I was like, "Don't know. Give it a shot." So I summoned them, and then this person appeared, and I thought. Well, I first of all thought it was like a, no, it was just an NPC. Mm-hmm. And then this person's turning around and bowing at you and waving at you and pointing you forward and kind of um, acting like I a guess, human being. Kind of, <laughs> 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 so I don't know what I don't know what was going on. And obviously, um, the um, the thing was that um, you didn't really get. I don't think I don't remember. I try to remember the the order that things went in because I don't know if I got humanity then went back to the Undeadburg bonfire or um yeah I must have got all the way through because that was when you got the kind of the white the white um soapstone but mm-hmm. um I just remember plowing onwards and then not being fussed about dying because I was doing the same thing again and again and again and enabled my brain to concentrate on something else and switch away from kind of what was happening around me, um, which was which was you know which was something that was I guess was kind of needed, and that's why that kind of oh, really yeah. kind of uh, kind of held on to me. When do you think I, you like actually clicked with the game? Like when did when was the point where you stopped thinking like oh this is rubbish and started going like okay I need now I'm getting a handle on this game and now I know no, how I it's, never, it's. Um, I never thought it was. I never thought it was rubbish, rubbish. I thought it was different. Because here was something that wasn't. Look, look, Mr. Trump, I have the tapes. <laughs> we just said it. You said rubbish. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. Um, I don't want to do Trump impressions. The boy isn't worth my time of my impressions. Agreed. Um, it was um, just because of the lack of hand holding and because there was a big community aspect to it as well it encouraged you to kind of speak to other people and I think it was the thing that got me that said I have to play this was when it was the Taurus deemed and you um, you're standing at the top, you've, you've, you've climbed up the ladder because you've killed the two undead um, at the top and you're looking up along the bridge and um you kind of know something's going to happen, but you have kind of no idea what it could be. And um, then you head along there, and all of a sudden, this massive thing <laughs> comes from nowhere. And um, it took me a couple of tries, but um, I do remember taking the Taurus Demon out. Um, it was only the first or the second time, but I remember killing him, actually standing up out of my seat, and saying (laughs) that's it get it get in I think that was it you know there's something interesting about the way about hearing you describe your your path through the undead berg in such like a clinical fashion 
like where you're you're saying you know there's the two hollows here and then you do the thing and then you do the next thing and then this guy comes running like somebody mentioned when i recorded with them over the weekend that they could like literally be in a cell like a prison cell and they could just close their eyes and just play through dark souls in their brain because they have it ingrained so much <laughs> like they know exactly what to oh, do yeah. and where to go and I, yeah. I just i can't think of any other games that are like that like because it's like that for me i probably could i'm not saying i could do it with my eyes closed because i'm not one of those people but like i could i could do a pretty good description of like how the first half of that game plays like i could probably sit down and talk you through it pretty easily Mm -hmm. and i don't i just don't know many other games that can inspire that kind of i don't even know what the word for it is that kind of focus it's kind of like um when you see these guys playing these bullet hell shooters and they know exactly where to go at exactly the right time and exactly the right place and which move to pull out and when to launch a special attack and stuff like that. And Dark Souls for me kind of came became that because I was almost at the point where it was um, quite clinical going through. I knew when to hit somebody, when to step back, when to go forward because I'd just done it, I guess, kind of so many times. Um. And then I made it through to, well, after I did that, after I beat the Taurus team, then it went through to kind of like um, playing the rest of Dark Souls, which my tactic always was to kind of stick down a summon sign and um, just explore it, you know, explore mm-hmm. it being alongside somebody, which was always With no kind risk, of interesting. Right, like just not having yeah. the risk of damaging, doing something wrong in your own world. Yeah, exactly. No, knowing exactly what was kind of around the corner, I kind of, I kind of liked. There was let's plays that you could do, and then there was there was starting to be like the lore videos, but I preferred to kind of like kind of get, I guess, get stuck in. But also, there was nothing quite as cool as kind of helping somebody who was doing it for the first time, and then you were seeing it a lot of the time for the first time through their eyes as well. So you're helping them along all the way through to the final boss. But then I could do it again and again and again and again. So <laughs> the um, the upshot of that was I spent a lot of Dark Souls being very, very overpowered. <laughs> I mean, very overpowered. Because and you had so many resources stuff. from Sunbrowing yeah. that you could level up pretty higher, a lot yeah. faster than you, yeah. than you would yeah. normally. Yeah, stupid. It was just ridiculous. <laughs> I remember, I think, um, going back and um, getting the Drake Sword, because I remember getting that, I think, through the first playthrough, and I think I managed to get, like, the Black Knight Sword or something. Okay. Um, pretty quickly. So the it ended Drake up sword, uh, being a pretty... <laughs> worthwhile to kill that first black knight that you see if you got that weapon because that can well, literally eventually. just walk you through the game yeah <laughs> yeah pretty much it was pretty pretty easy but um i played i think i played i was um played dark souls all the way through and had a reasonable amount of fun i had a reasonable amount of fun with it all the way up until anna londo um, I remember spending ages in the depths, and I was trying to remember why. And I remember in, in kind of July and August of the same year, um, as an old man, and discovering that my um, my wife was um, was pregnant. I mean, she was due our first child, so we got married in the March, and then my son arrived in October. So it was, you know, quick work. And um, 
I put my back out in July, so I remember being kind of stuck in bed for like two and a half days and then spending, it was a good week and a half, two weeks, kind of stairs on the couch, kind of playing through Dark Souls. And I must have got through, at that point, that was July, so I was at the depths. So I did the depths, I did Sen's Fortress, I got all the way through, you know. You can probably hear him. I don't know if you can hear him giggling in the background <laughs> at the moment. Um, he should be in bed. But, um, yeah, so I did a massive amount of Dark Souls all the way up Sen's Fortress and then hit Anne Orlando and then got to Smau and Ornstein. And... Well, wait a minute. Wait, wait a words. minute. Before we get into Smau and Ornstein, because uh, yeah. I just want to take... I want to I want to walk back just a couple of steps. So you were okay. on the couch, like, I'm picturing, like, covered with like, some sort of homemade blanket laying on one of those, like, husband pillows. <laughs> with like a, you know, that kind of keeps you propped up, like, and your your brand new wife, who has probably known you for all of twenty minutes and married you, despite that, like, is bringing you like hot drinks and and. Oh no, she was at work. <laughs> while you just sit oh, there no. and play Dark Souls for two and a half weeks, I, I just, just want to make sure I have that mental image in my mind correctly. I was usually naked, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> well, how did I drink? A, how did I take a drink of water during that? <laughs> Water okay, well, and electronics don't mix, so there you go. Um, mm-hmm. I had to do it sometime. Um, <laughs> I think I remember those were like it was a mixture of like heat packs and cocodamo and some other other. I mean, the doctors really like to hand out those <laughs> those those drugs to you. I mean, I think um, I think I got like prescribed like tamazepam and stuff like oh, that. Geez. Oh, this will really really yeah. It's like this will really really help you. So yeah, so the vision is different. Okay. I am sitting on the couch, yeah, surrounded by heat packs looking like the Michelin Man, drugged up to my eyeballs, playing Dark Souls and facing the gaping dragon. (laughs) 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 You're looking at this on a a TV and I'm just like, what the, what the, what is that? That's amazing. (laughs) And just going back and playing it again and again and again and again. It was just fantastic. So I ended up co-oping a lot for a long time in the depths before I moved on from there. Just because I had a hell of a lot of fun. Um, Also because I discovered the kind of the rat run where you could farm lots and lots of humanity as well. So... And it was a great spot for kind of co-oping as well. So I spent a lot of time doing that, a lot of time hitting the slimes and getting kind of green titanite as well from my, um, you know, from my from my weapon from my weapon build because going back on message boards, I noticed that was important for later on. So it was all um, it was all good fun. But then, as I said, <laughs> dusted myself off, got the gaping dragon out the way. And then headed, um, yeah, and headed um, kind of um, in the direction of uh, Mr. Anwar and Mr. Londo, which was, uh, and then that was the that was a massive, reasonable, huge size wall, not um, Smau and Ornstein, but actually getting through Anwar Londo itself. I think um, I had. I had a lot of trouble. I've never ever been brilliant at doing the toe-to-toe fights. I've always been. I'm pretty good with kind of facing off against kind of multiple enemies, but I've never been a big P- PvP person. Mm-hmm. And facing off against like the Silver Knights and stuff like that was always 
it's really funny because the little white gargoyle guys that you get with the brains for heads, they were fine. They weren't a problem at all. But then any time there was like any one of the night persuasion, I kind of usually struggled a bit until I was rocking a, I think I was rocking a Zweihander by that time. Mm-hmm. I was either rocking a Zweihander or I don't know if I'd managed to get my hands on the Lucerne, but it was one or the other. Um, and I, <clears throat> I almost threw the game away when I reached the archers <laughs> at Anor Londo because man, that was just It's rough, huh? It's pain in the ass. It's rough. It's rough. I mean, it's I, I remember just... getting to that for the first time myself and just going like, what am I supposed to do? Like they're slinging giant spears at me. <laughs> what am I, how am I supposed to deal with this? And I'm standing up and there's like a six foot spear in my head. And I'm like, <laughs> well, that's going <laughs> to... That's definitely you know, going to leave a that's mark. Gonna, that's going to leave a that's <laughs> going to leave a scar. You know, I'm going to need more than a bandaid to get rid of this. You know, and I remember failing constantly, and it was like you know you were just talking about being able to kind of um, remember how to, to do a run without even having to concentrate, and I remember being able to do that run. Um, all the way along again and again and again, just being getting more and more frustrated. And then I think, I, and then I decided I stopped. Because you got to the point where you're running past the gargoyles and then you're just running up the ridge and you're trying to make sure that the gargoyles aren't chasing you up and you've got to make sure you're dodging from left to right. And then I just went, nah, this isn't happening. So I took my time and smacked down every gargoyle that was going because they deserved it for all the times they killed me because there was times where I was dying to the gargoyles. You know, you do that. You're doing the same run again and again and again. Mm -hmm. You end up doing stupid deaths, like running off ledges and falling off stuff. And then I took out the archers and that was, that was the second time I was, this is, this is just amazing. I have to keep playing this and then getting in, um, discovering Havel's set, um, finding the secret bonds, finding the bonfire room. And it was just like, wow, this is, this is cool. And then obviously there was a whole pile of silver knights that you had to get through before you reached kind of these um, Smau and Ornstein mm-hmm. who were, they're nice little bosses. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think, I don't think in terms of, um, in terms of um, Dark Souls bosses, I don't think they've ever quite been matched in terms of what they've done. Um, but I I ended up soloing them. Um, I didn't. I didn't beat them first time, mm-hmm. but I did. I did end up having to solo them, and I played it so many times and done the run so many times that I was just like, um, I was at the point where um, I knew Ornstein's attack patterns just so down that I, he was easy, and it was Smau that was messing me up all the time with his big electronic butt smash that he was doing <laughs> but um that and I his remember... uh, like hammer shovel move where he would put the hammer down and like run at you yeah, that exactly. you have to dodge way way later than it actually looks like you have to dodge at all i know and he's like hey i'm so i'm shoveling the snow watch me <laughs> shovel the snow and it's like oh what and he wrecked the entire room and, and then just you know if he it would be more helpful if he had a broom because at least he knew he was cleaning up when he was doing something, when he was making an absolute mess. So got through that, which was me by myself and I had no humanity. 
for some reason wasn't summoning or couldn't summon or wasn't or was getting or was having a run of people that we were getting to the boss and then everybody was dying so I was never getting I was never going back and and basically unhollowing again so I took them down and then I um got through Anor Londo got the princess and then charged after that charging on through the archives charging on through um so by this point, you Yolanda. were you were addicted. Like there is no, I'm not going to finish this game. You were. Oh, there's you were no coming. No, I mean, there's no coming back. I mean, that was it. I was gone. I mean, we're racing on, and it's heading into October of 2012, which is basically the the month that my my son's born. So I'm like, I have I have to I have to finish this because <laughs> you know if you don't finish it before your son is born like there's no way that you're going to get to it afterwards there's no no it's not going to happen <clears throat> it's not it's unless what you what you don't realize is that and um is that children sleep an awful lot for the first <laughs> four or five weeks once they're born so there was a little bit of game time but I managed to get through um I managed to get through dark souls within about um Managed to get through in Dark Souls by by October before he was born. Good. Um, Where do you? And that was cool. I, I've asked this to to dads that have been on the show before. Uh, I I look at Dark Souls, especially if you say turn the blood off like you can in the options. Uh, but Dark Souls doesn't really necessarily strike me as a particularly violent or scary game. Like, do you think that you would let your son watch you play Dark Souls? Because you said he, he was born in 2012, so he's got to be hitting almost four now. You're yeah, four he'll this be, month. He'll yeah. be four this month. He'll yeah. be four in a couple. He'll be four in a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, I mean, I've got. I mean, I've got um, my two two eldest. I mean, I've got a ten year old and a twelve year old. Oh, I didn't realize you were you were just starting. out we're not wizards oh, franchise yeah, no, over no, there. No, okay, no. okay. So yeah, you got yeah. you got you got plenty yeah, of kids. Like, you can. <laughs> yeah, I've got tons of kids. We're like like seven elevens over here. <laughs> I mean, I'm just I'm just going for a football team. Um, well, no, probably, my, probably um, better than the Scottish national team. Uh, <laughs> that's just that's absolutely true. I completely accept <laughs> the rubbishness of the current national team. There's no defense for that. You can't come back with that. You can't even say, you know. When a team can't even qualify, it's just, ugh, just let's because otherwise, no, this will be don't you know it should be do give up Scotland because <laughs> that would be the name because <laughs> that would be the name of their podcast. That's that's pretty good. Go back, hit the college days, get some young kids playing football, and then we'll see you in ten years when the team kind of gets built up because that's kind of where we are at the moment. But that's enough about the footballs. Um, my ten-year-old, he. He's watched me play a bit of Dark Souls, and um, you're right. I mean, it's just a fantasy setting. I mean, it's nothing worse than what they see on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still a little bit. I guess it's the kind of the, the monster setting and stuff like that. I wouldn't have a problem if he said to me he was wanting to to try it out and have a shot. Um, I think that um, because of the rating on it. Um, I don't think his mum would let him play it though. That's the only thing. But yeah, I wouldn't have that's... a problem if it was that, or like say playing the division or something like that. Well, who'd want to play the division anyway? Um, <laughs> ooh, um, I would. I wouldn't have a problem with him playing. You know, jumping on Dark Souls. Certainly jumping on. You know, Dark Souls Two or anything like that as well. Yeah, yeah. Not a, not a problem at all. 
Um, it's just because it's violence. I think they have to rate it as being violent, mm-hmm. and it's swords because they have to rate it as being swords because they obviously don't want people. They don't want kids running around trying to unhollow themselves using humanity. I guess no. that's what they don't no, no. That's... I guess that's what they put the rating what it was. Um, the U.S. went through that whole um, the hot humanity mod for the GTA series back in the late nineties. Oh, so we right, have we have yeah. rules in place for all of that stuff. Yeah. So don't. Yeah. Ah, fabulous, Mister Mister Thompson, or whatever his face was. I think it was Thompson. Yeah, I haven't heard about that dude in a while, though. I don't know. He's probably he's probably sitting there playing Binding of Isaac or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Going, you played this. This is amazing. Look this at is that. Gr- he's a baby. Man, he's a baby. This is a baby. He's man. There's just poop all over the screen. It's just amazing. Look at that blood. Look at that blood. <laughs> <And> so urine. <laughs> I can't believe I campaigned against this. Uh, and I've been playing that Dark Souls now. I need to get on myself and my good old don't give up the skeletons. Uh, I would totally interview Jack Thompson, if you're listening, and I don't know that he you know what a podcast is. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that you know you haven't figured out quite what audio on the internet means yet. Like, oh. but, but if you're listening and you've played more than, say, seven minutes of Dark Souls, I will spend an hour interviewing you about the seven minutes of Dark Souls you played. He'd want, uh, to, he'd want to ban it. <laughs> you get you get a cease and desist notice from well, like. Well, that would be that'd be what I would do is I would ask ask a question and I just have a loud beep throughout whatever he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so you would hear all my responses, but nothing that he actually said. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! So are you uh, uh, like <clears throat> trying to take a, a little bit of a bigger picture view at this point? Like you see, you you zip through Dark Souls one and finish it before your child is born, which and yeah. then the following year Dark Souls two comes out. Because uh, that came out in 2013, yeah, didn't it? Am I not get? Do I get that right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, there was the beta test, which was the the, the lovely um, Huntsman's Cops mm-hmm. that went. Look at the lighting engine we have got for you today. It is lovely. <laughs> Look you at all this be... time we spent on the development for you as well. It is lovely for you too. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to take out all of that lighting engine, and then we're going to give you a game which is completely different from what you expected. <laughs> Welcome to Dark Souls Two. Obviously, you were, um, you were you were following this stuff on pre-release. Like, were you kind of upset when that happened? Like, when you got the finished product, comparing it to what you had played in the in the network test? There was um, there were several issues I had with Dark Souls Two. Um, I when I first jumped in, I did not like, and I've got my list. So let me just get it. It's here somewhere. I did not like the effigy system I did not like the I didn't like the fact they got rid of humanity and the effigies were a consume, not only a consumable but were a limited resource mm-hmm. I wasn't that fussed about having to level up with the Emerald Herald um, I wasn't that fussed about transporting for bon, to bonfire to bonfire at the beginning and I thought um, it was a little bit unbalanced in terms of its difficulty I um, it was not. This is the thing that gets leveled at it. it. Dark Souls Two wasn't the game that a lot of people were expecting, and I was one of them. It wasn't at the beginning. It was like ooh ah, and it was like hey look, there's a big one-eyed troll, beastie, green pig thing. Let's go up because I can take him. Because normally in Dark Souls you're able to usually take on anything that you encounter, mm-hmm. and this stacked you for six absolutely destroyed you and there was you and you your weapon at the time was absolutely rubbish um 
I think with Dark Souls 2, I kind of it took a long time for me to learn how to to love it because it just seemed a bit more unfairly difficult than Dark Souls. Things like the um, the Ruined Sentinels, like fighting three guys, and if you went and just you, you against three guy, you know, you against the three of them, it could be really, really difficult to get around. Um, I yeah, I had a real trouble with it. I don't know why. It just um, it just didn't fit what I'd been used to. Because I, it, what happened was after my son was born, I did even though I completed Dark Souls and it was like, wow, this is amazing. I still jumped in and played it from time to time and cleaned up and went to Ash Lake and then mucked around with the DLC and everything like that on it. But Dark Souls 2, I didn't, you know, it wasn't my, it didn't seem to be my jam. Mm -hmm. And I played it because I was looking for that spark. And it wasn't until I got a good way through that I was like, hmm, actually it's not that bad. But it was still an awful lot of a struggle. But what I found was you were, you had to do more cooperation. And my play style from Dark Souls about putting down a summoning sign at the beginning of a level and kind of helping somebody through it and then building up the souls that way kind of worked. Because I did end up kind of getting a bit more powered up, mm-hmm. which was kind of cool. But um, it's... I can see why people didn't like it, but what, then what, what was the you said like kind of partway through? Like, do you remember? Was there a specific moment, or was it just kind of a collection of things that you were accumulating over your playthrough that finally tipped you over to kind of digging? Like, digging. I think it was. Um, I think it was Iron Keep, which a lot of people don't like. I was about I really, to say, really, <laughs> that's very surprising. I really, really liked, I really, really liked Iron Keep um, because. Um, I think I, I spent I spent a reasonable amount of time getting through Earthen Peak, and I also spent a long time not knowing where that hidden bonfire was in Earthen Peak. Uh-huh. So I was running all the way up Earthen Peak to try and get to um, to um, was it Mitha or Githa Mitha, the baneful witch. Um, before I um, I went wandering up the staircase to the right of the of her boss room and oh, discovered yeah. you could go okay. up to the left, and then there was a sign there was a there was a sign down saying um, bonfire ahead, and I was like, what? <laughs> and of course, <laughs> are you joking me? Oh my god! There's so <laughs> many bon- so many bonfires in that game. Like, there's just oh. like I mean, I, I don't think that I've counted them, but there has to be at least more than like a hundred at least, right? especially if you count the DLC which has like 20 across of it I think but the DLC is something else because Mm -hmm. um, as I was saying I got through Earth and Peak and I just like oh finally got it finally beat her got up to Iron Keep and I was like this is quite cool actually I'm quite enjoying this I got my ember mucked around with it Um, I think it was probably my hangback place because I had a hand, as I say, I had the depths, which was my hangback place. Which what I did is I just repeatedly co-opted on it, and it was damn good fun. And you were getting in, and you were heading off against Smelter Demon. And by the time I was taking on Smelter Demon, I knew all his moveset. I knew how to get out of his way. I knew how to dodge him. You know, I knew I showed people how to get the Zweihander because if you 
faced the boss door and then if you turned around and ran over the other way and did the jump over, then I think this Y-hander was kind of sitting there, I believe, at that time, which was all good. Um, so I was helping people out. So it kind of came a place where I collected an awful lot of souls before I went on. Um, and then, yeah, and then from there on, because I felt I was starting to smash through people kind of left, right and centre, um, I really, really started to get into it. I really, really started to enjoy it. Um, but it wasn't until the DLC hit that that was when the real kind of love kind of creeped in for it because um, DLC saved that game. Um, and I think the DLC, the DLC, I think, prompted them to bring out Scholar. I think if they had just, you know, if they had released a, if they hadn't bothered with the DLC, I think Dark Souls 2 would be put down as, you know, a massive, a much more massive disappointment than it was. Yeah, I think or so too. Is, like, there's very few conversations about Dark Souls 2 where people don't say, well, like, but the DLC, <laughs> like, you got to mm. play the DLC. Like, that's, that's, you've got to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely like the, the number one thing people say about that game. It, it's interesting because I remember playing Dark Souls 2. And playing a lot of Dark Souls too, like I, <clears throat> I kind of did the normal PvP thing and played like you know hundreds of hours with that. But eventually, I kind of got tired and I just moved on to other games, which like had never actually. I, it, I mean, like Dark Souls One consumed my life; like it took over my gaming for months and months and months. And then at some point with Dark Souls Two, before the DLC came out, I was like, "Okay, I'm done." And I was; I didn't even bother to like get all the achievements or trophies or whatever. I think it really, really disappointed a lot of people who were expecting to have um, more Dark Souls, um, to have more Dark Souls 1. And there was some fun, so many fundamental changes in some of the key mechanics. Um, some things were really, really good. I mean, I went on to love warping and warping around the bonfires because once you were of a certain power, you could go back and you could clear up and there was... A, a large number of little hidden stuff and then there was like the mechanics with the torches where you could go around and you could light stuff mm-hmm. and but then you realise that how the lighting engine because it had been taken away how how that entire thing was almost ruined here you had an excellent mechanic where you could go around lighting torches and it didn't really do anything because if you didn't light the torches you could still be it's <laughs> like what was the point yeah <laughs> You know, which which they was... eventually kind of addressed in Scholar, like they they made those contrasts more. And like I don't think we still have, I don't think we ever got that original lighting engine that they had intended to put in the game. But you know, in Scholar, there were I think they got, yeah, it was super got, dark. Yeah, they got close to it. They got close to it. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, so the DLC on on Dark Souls two kind of, um, I had finished Dark Souls 2 and I kind of, you know, like yourself, I kind of put it to one side and hadn't kind of mucked around with multiple builds and then um, I was writing for a, a website at the time and um, my editor said to me, um, the guy that we normally have reviewing Dark Souls, he can't do it, he's doing other stuff. Can you, if we gave you codes, could you review the Dark Souls 2 DLC? And I was like, nah, don't be stupid. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> put, the phone, put the phone down on them and then just text them and went, just kidding. 
<laughs> no, no, I'll do it. I'll do it immediately. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll do it right now. And then obviously I realized um, that um, my biggest flaw was that I had completed the game and I had decided to move on a new game. <laughs> so I had to face the DLC as uh, the Sunken King as a new game character. Mm-hmm. And I went, I went in there and I got pretty much utterly destroyed. Because when, uh, <laughs> when the DLC came out for Dark Souls 1, uh, my primary PvP character and the character that I was like interested in the most to get all of the new DLC stuff that I'd heard about was on New Game 7. So, and I'd, I had gone through specifically to get like all of the copies of Crystal Soul Spear so that I could equip it like and have like 20 casts of this stuff because it was a horrible <laughs> magic gimmick. And even with like how easy, how easier the game is with a magic build like new game seven artorias of the abyss almost like broke me entirely like it took me hours just to get to the artorias's door <laughs> like i was there for I, so long i just i mean yeah i mean that was with dark i mean dark souls 2 the sun i mean just getting around the first flipping corner i mean you you run down the bonfires there you're like you run through this amazing kind of slightly twisty turny corridor and then you turn around the corner and there's, um, it's, what's her name? Is it Sikh or Seep or something like that? It's not Sif, it's something else. The dragon sitting there on top turns around, trumpets in a, la- a large burst of fly- fire and then flies away from you. And you're just like, yeah, it's, this is on. This is definitely on. You come across the bonfire and then you get around the corner and there's like one of these poison night hollow guys standing there. And hollows, you've been beating these guys down for like months. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can parry them, you can kick their ass. You take a swing of their sword, and the smallest chunk of hit point is coming off them, and it's like, <laughs> it's like I'm in trouble. I hope there's not more than two of these. And then of course you go around the corner, and these like there's like six. Oh, there's like a baker's days. dozen down there. Oh, <laughs> like, man, some of them are so many. Of them. There's got they've got the arrow guys that are protected by the melee guys that have. Oh, oh man. Oh. Such a that's such then, a tough opening scene for any DLC that they've done. That that that's probably one of the hardest intros. But it's got one of the best mechanics in there because you walk up and it's like you're fighting and defending yourself, and the next thing you do, you're hitting this pillar, this pillar of light with a sword, and then, as I am, um, you know, you, you all of a sudden you notice that. A big huge pillar rises out of the ground, <laughs> takes out four of these bad guys that have been waiting for you, and you're just like, ah, "Yeah, <laughs> here you go. Let's see what else I can hit." So, so you, you spend it. You actually really liked the uh, pillars and like moving that stuff around. Oh, I thought that was really cool. I really, really liked the kind of the verticality because if you remember, one of the things that Dark Souls Two got really criticised for was um, the corridor kind of gameplay that you seem to be moving on and on and you didn't and that's why I liked Iron Keep because there was a little bit of verticality about it but not as much as there was in um, not as much as there was in Shova you're moving pillars up and down and you're using it to kind of build gateways and and, and, um, I just really really enjoyed the kind of the puzzling aspect to it Um, and then getting in and they continued the puzzles with the possessed um, the possessed armour you know, mm-hmm. you had the crypts where you had to, you know, it's like to kill oh. the crypt to kill the enemy. Yeah, yeah that, that was like, super smack. cool. You know, you're like, oh my, oh, oh it's like I'm gonna get killed. I'm gonna get killed. What? What? I can't. 
And the the funny thing is, when you first see these guys, um, you you think they're phantoms, and you're like, oh, cool, white phantom guy. And I wonder what he's going to do. Oh, he's going to kill me. Oh, 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 ouch, 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 ouch. Stop hitting me now. And you couldn't take them down. You couldn't take them out. They were just smacking you repeatedly. And then you were hitting the armor. And then you realized when you destroyed the armor, they suddenly came. You were able to, they were, became corporal. So you could start smacking them back and stuff. So part of the puzzle element to that whole level, because the whole thing's a whole huge puzzle. Part of that is like going around finding all of these other guys the statues and there's one room <laughs> where you have to there's a witch and oh, it's an, yeah. a little bridge that, that room running around there like in a circle while like uh what's the music cycle like with, a suicide run benny yeah, hill. yeah yeah where benny hill <laughs> plays <laughs> and you're just you're just <laughs> running in a circle trying to kill the the statues because <laughs> if i remember right killing the statues uh persisted across deaths so like even if you if you yeah. killed the first statue like you and died you would come back and you could you could then kill that dude he was from that point on he was was fine yeah you could you could take him down so it then became almost a case of um do you um do you kind of wait do you do a speed run and try and kill as many as possible or do you do it methodically and kill them all one at a time and it was really really difficult if you just missed one because you couldn't hit them but the other thing was there was a whole thing with a little the, the little stone the little stone switches and one of the stone switches, and I remember this, was you went into a room and there were spikes in the floor. And you could hit a, you could hit something to make the spikes disappear. But then you were looking for a switch in order to activate something else in a room. And the switch was like when you walk through the room and turned round, it was up on the wall behind you. And it was only if you turned round and looked that you would ever see it. And I that the whole thing propelled me from really, really kind of not being too fussed about Dark Souls 2 to thinking, well, the DLCs really saved this. And the um, the Iron King was just phenomenal. Again, that, that kind of took it from, this is a, a normal Dark Souls 2 um, level into, this is Dark Souls. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sorry. Well, again, you have the verticality, right? Like that, that oh, whole level is about climbing a tower, basically, or getting to the bottom of the tower, which are, you know, like you were exploring these huge towers, basically, is what I'm trying to say. It was, yeah, I mean, it was like an apology. It was like coming back and going, sorry. I know, guys, <laughs> listen. Okay, we know there was issues and we know we've, but look, look at this. This but look is what awesome, we did. isn't it? Look, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look, okay, I know the other one, we made a doo doo. But look at this. This is like a Lego tower of awesomeness. It, Dive it, in. it goes back to something that I think is real easy to forget about, which is if you give game developers enough time to build their vision, usually it's going to be pretty cool. But if, if you have a situation where, like you can read about in the, um, oh, whatever the book is, the Dark Souls 2 design works. The design works, yeah. yeah. Where they basically yeah. just say, like, yeah, we had to pretty much scrap everything that we had midway through and kind of start over from scratch. Like, it's amazing that the the main game of Dark Souls 2 works as well as it did, <laughs> or looks as good as it did. But then... It was pretty messy. It's yeah, pretty messy. In the but then, patch up. then you have that, you know, that six-month period between the games and when the DLC comes out, and then you start getting these hugely interconnected little level, not little, like hugely interconnected big worlds to explore. Like, you could go through, like, 
all of the DLC packages were packs were like big, <laughs> like they were all just substantial pieces of content, like huge areas to explore, tons of I, new enemies. Like, it's just phenomenal. I, yeah. It's just I reviewed. I mean, I reviewed. I reviewed all three of them, and just, and you can imagine that my my experience of playing them was slightly different because I didn't play them over a matter of months. I had weeks to play them. So I was doing kind of five, ten hour shifts when I could just to get through as much as possible. And then I had to have enough of an impression to actually go ahead and write about them afterwards. So I had to create a new character from scratch to even do the Sunken King. (laughs) And I had to basically speed run all the way down to get save up to get the cat ring to fall down um to fall down and face the the rotten and I hit Shulva. This is why I had the big problem with Shulva at the beginning. I think I when I hit it I was only level sixty one. Oh wow. Yeah, that's low. By the time I by the time I think I finished Shulva I was level night I was high eighties, early nineties. That was how <laughs> how much time I'd spent on it and then I guess the other thing is as well is when you're playing the Sunken King facing off against um facing off against the dragon at the end. Um and even what's her face? Who's it you face off just before her? Mm-hmm. Um you know the one I'm talking about. I'm Sandra's to, I'm, little sister. Yeah, I'm trying to sit here remember her name and I can't do it for the life yeah. of me. Um, ah, she's not She's a pain matter. in the butt. Mm-hmm. She's a pain in the butt. She's more of a trouble than dragon. But um yeah. So then by the time I hit Iron Keep I was at a decent level. By the time I hit the um the Crown of the Ivory King, I was I was sold. I could forgive Darks I could kind of forgive Dark Souls for anything, but then <laughs> um then Scholar came out. And I played Scholar and pretty much bypass Bloodborne. I was just about to ask because Scholar technically came out a couple of months after Bloodborne did. And yep. I had a weird thing with Bloodborne where when I finished it, <clears throat> just like with Dark Souls 2, I didn't really feel compelled to like go back through that game and play it again. And unlike Dark Souls 2, like the PvP, even though I thought it was good, like I didn't by the time I finished it, like I had kind of figured out what the way that the systems worked and I realized like, oh, well, I can't go be an asshole to like early level people in Bloodborne. Like th- that way that's set up, it just will never happen. I'm not even going to bother. No. Um no. so when Bloodborne came out, I like did the whole game, finished it, platinumed it, and then <clears throat> around that time that I finished Dark Souls 2 Scholars of First Sin hit, and I just jumped right into that like with both feet and ended up like putting hundreds of hours into Scholar. Bloodborne to me is like an experience game. As in you experience all the magic Bloodborne has to offer and you would experience in a far shorter time than you would on say Dark Souls or even Scholar. Yeah. I separate Dark Souls 2 out because in the list of um, Dark Souls 2 by itself, without the DLC, it's not a brilliant game. Scholar, um, when I when Scholar hit, I think Scholar hit. What happened with Scholar was Bloodborne hit, and then Bloodborne had loading issues, and it had some other issues going on, and I didn't get it, and it didn't get me, and we were sitting across each other, and we went for relationship counselling a couple of times and me and Bloodborne <laughs> went on a little bit of a break because, you know, 
they wanted me to just run around and stab people. I wanted to kind of take my time. You know, they were trying to rush me. I was wanting to just do a slow donder about the place and just check everything out. And they were wanting me to do visceral attacks. And I was just more liking to kind of like my double-handed attacks instead. And I was wanting to use a shield. They were wanting me to use a gun. You know, I wasn't... Re- I And that was the other thing is summoning in Bloodborne was relatively not as accessible as summoning in Dark Souls 2 or summoning in Scholar. Yeah. So I put Bloodborne to one side and went, hmm, I... Pre, I pre-ordered it, and I thought I've made, you know, I've maybe potentially had an oversight here, and I should have waited until more people have maybe played it. And then Scholar came along, and um, Scholar pretty much kind of went, "Come here, darling. It's okay. <laughs> there you go. Look, there's your silver crest shield. Okay, here you go. Here's a lovely big, here's a lovely big sword for you." And we'll put you in some nice Alva set armor. And oh, have you got some sandwiches? It's all right, gluten free ones just for you, and some apple juice. And on you go, son. And that was kind of how Scholar kind of came. They fixed an awful lot of stuff. And that was the other thing. See, going from Bloodborne, where there was a stuttering at the beginning when the frame rate was pretty crap. And then going into Scholar with the frame rate was just so wonderful, buttery smooth. It's almost and too smooth. A... Like it looks, it feels so weird because I've never been a PC gamer, so I've never really played these yeah. at sixty frames per second. Like I know the PC yeah. crowd could. And man, booting up Scholar and just like holding the right stick over so the camera is just swirling and going like, "Ooh, wow!" <laughs> <laughs> like, and like your character what... just moves. It's really, really strange. But you do know. Notice that the textures and stuff like that aren't fantastic in Scholar. Mm-hmm. If you stop and spend too long, it's a kind of a, it's beautifully wonderful looking as long as you aren't stopping and going. Let's take a look at these textures then. Hmm. Okay. Copied and pasted, have we? Um. But yeah, <sighs> Scholar did so much more just by putting everything together. It kind of really worked with the story. Um. And I mentioned this on um I mentioned this a, a little while ago when I was speaking to Paddy and CJ that there was just a couple of things that I liked Heidi's Tower. People hate Heidi's Tower. I like the idea that it turned from a a level that you should play within the first half hour of the game to a level that you really should wait until you're a decent level to come back again. I like the fact that it was it spoke to me on a different level than maybe Dark Souls, well, the original Dark Souls 2 did, but for some reason the story really resonated with kind of Aldia making an appearance and then taking my time, knowing that I knew what the game was going to be like and then it continually throwing surprises my way as well. And um, it was everybody that you met was utterly lost. Even yourself, I mean, the opening cutscene, I mean, the opening cutscene for Dark Souls, for Scholar, isn't about you, isn't about the Tales of the Dragons and Gwyn, and it isn't about, um, you know, Dark Souls 3, where it's talking about the, you know, the, 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 the bringing back, you know, reigniting the flame and things like that. You're in a house, and you're facing your, it looks like you're kind of your, 
a woman and a child, and they're disappearing away from you. And this is all about kind of you losing yourself. And all the way through, the different characters are obviously there with a sense of purpose, but have absolutely no idea why they're there. And to the point where even, like, say, the Herald is given up. The Herald is standing there staring. When you first meet her, she's standing next to a tree. She's looking out to the sea. And you don't know why at the time while she's, you know, why she's doing that until later on. But she's got to a point where she's forgotten what she's meant to be doing, that she just says, you know, the same thing again and again, you know, bearer of the curse, seek souls, seek, you know, seek larger souls, um, seek the king, that is the only way. And she says that again and again and again. She doesn't know why she's saying it. She's completely forgotten why she's saying it. She's like um she's like a an old an old lady who in order to try and grasp on grasp still being relevant and still being in life, grasps onto the one sentence that will which people will potentially understand what she's talking about. So she's she's staring there. She doesn't know she you know, she's like she what she should be saying is, listen, you you, this is your path, and, and one of the ways you you can we need to defeat Nisandra. You need to destroy her, but you're not you're not powerful enough to do it. And and the other thing is go and find the king, because the king was the person that was meant to. He was meant to be the was going to help us. He was the guy that was looking for a cure of the curse. So she's kind of cut that down. She's repeated it in her head so many times. She's just like, I don't know what I'm meant to be saying. Just seek. Go, go get some souls. I know there's that. And then maybe go get bigger souls and find the king because he knows what it's all about. And you go all the way through Dark Souls or through Scholar and it's kind of ruins and it's kind of everything's broken down and you meet everybody and you meet um, um you meet the girl with the stones. Um, Her name escapes me. It's something or it's the, you know the girl who's the daughter of the blacksmith you meet her and she's kind of like oh i'm here finding stones look at these <laughs> stones aren't they lovely mm-hmm. but i think i should move on because i've actually forgotten why i'm here in the first place and then you've got luca teal which is one of the saddest mpc stories ever you know where she you know you're meeting her brother um all the way through it's all about kind of like forgetfulness mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you Get to a point where you fight through one of the hardest levels in the game, which is the the kind of the the the, the crypt. And in Scholar, they they made it, you know, they made it, you know, it was a trek and a half to get through, going down that entrance hall, and they increased the they increased even the bad guys. They brought in kind of like the enemies were like cyan knights. They brought in, and I, I don't know, I can't remember if they even brought in a dragon rider. And then you get through there and there's the fight with Elstad and you're like going, shh, this is a tough fight, a tough, really, really, really tough fight. These guys must be protecting something magnificent or something which I'm really, really going to get my ass kicked. And you're expecting almost a bonfire to appear. Mm-hmm. And you're in a place of death and then you get through and there's a man wandering about in essentially his underwear with his clothes lying in the corner. He doesn't know what he's doing. There's no magnificence to him. He's a wreck. 
and he's walking about. Now, it's really it's kind of interesting that they use this mono, they use this actual visual clue of a, you know, of a man, you know, of a man who is completely so forgotten himself that he's just walking around in in his basic clothes, almost like a small, <laughs> almost like an aimless child, you know, throwing a sword around him. And the only way, I mean. This is look at it this way. Vendrick is a man that if he was at the top of his game, he would absolutely destroy you. Because if you think he's still one of the toughest battles that you can have in the game, if you do choose to fight him, and he's not even at the top of his game, so you can imagine what a powerful foe he was. So all this kind of came together for some reason. It didn't come together when I was playing Dark Souls Two. But then it came together through Scholar, just with the ch- subtle changes and the talking, you know, um, was it Aldia coming into it and everything like that. And I I think I sunk, to date, I've probably put a good 150, 200 hours into, Dark, into Scholar, easily. Yeah, yeah. Without a doubt. I don't know. That was kind of like monologuing and attempts at crappy <laughs> lore, and it won't be anything like that. It'll never, you know. But well, I have was... I have you on speaker on speaker, and you just put my dog to sleep. So now I have something foolproof that I could just play over and over again to have her go to sleep. <sighs> Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy Alfonso Greer, <laughs> you, you are the worst. <clears throat> you can put that in record. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think I have to. <laughs> I think you can edit that out, can't you? That's just awful. Of like telling, the, I was going to say all these slights and all these terrible things, but no, um, no, you can at just at a flick of a switch, you can kind of edit them all out. But <laughs> yeah, this is going to be a twelve-minute podcast when I'm done editing all this stuff together. <laughs> just, so. me, just me, just me telling absolute rubbish at the beginning, and then me just going, "I'm a moron. I'm a moron." I'm a moron. I'm a moron. I'm glad you're giving me different um, different inflections on that, so they don't actually like sound that, like so you you're. Can put it yeah, yeah, all the way through. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'm I'm completely naked. I'm running through the streets like a child, <laughs> enjoying myself. Well, but, since we're uh, we're getting close to to time, like, give me an idea of your experiences in, in Dark Souls Three. Um, like, that game has turned out to be extraordinarily controversial, and here we are, um, just a couple of weeks away from the the first DLC pack. Are you at this point in your Souls career? Are you very excited for for more Souls that the DLC is going to give us, or are you kind of hesitant to, as to what they can get, put in that game to make you like it? Like, where where are you sitting at on Dark Souls Three nowadays? I I haven't ordered it. It's going to be the I didn't order Dark Souls Three. Um, I didn't pre-order it, and I didn't. I haven't pre-ordered the the um the DLC. Um. I would have loved it if they had the courage and conviction to take Dark Souls 3 and do their own little story with it. I think they could have spent three quarters of that game exploring the deep. And that's the direction they should have gone. And that would have left them open to doing a whole pile of things. Mechanically, it's fantastic. I mean, it picks up, um, it gets rid of some things. Um it obviously gets rid of things like soul. It gets things rid of the soul crystals. It keeps the bonfires. It holds on to, in some way, shape, or form, kind of dual wielding. Um, it's decent with the magic. It's um, it's as soulless as they come. It's just it's it's good. It, do you know what? It's a good game, but it's not. 
it doesn't strike me particularly soulsy, as in they've almost tried to appease fans too much that it's kind of lost its own little direction. And I would have just loved them to say, I'll tell you what, we're going to do a Dark Souls 2 here. This is going to be about the Deacon of the Deep. This is going to be about Aldridge. You're going to learn all about the Deep. This is the direction we're going to take the Souls game in. We're going to take it away from the flame. We're going to take it in a completely different direction. And I don't know. I'm going to wait and see what happens with the DLC. I'm not... It's not like I won't... It's not like I... I know I'll get it. I don't know I'll play it. And I know I really enjoy it. And I know it's going to be fantastic. And I know it's going to be mechanically going to play really well. And I know it's going to look really, really good. But it's... I don't know. It's... I've no desire to go back and play Dark Souls 3 just now. Um, so you kind of feel like you're pretty much done. Yeah. Would you feel like uh, like if the mythical Dark Souls 4 is announced, say, E3 2017, like would you feel some more excitement for that? Or would you be like, oh, man, another one of these? Like, why, don't, why aren't you doing something new? If they gave it to the director of, Dark so- of uh, Scholar, mm-hmm. I'd be all over it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. If... Miyazaki said, I'll tell you what, I'm giving my, you know, I'm giving my boy, he's going to be looking after it. And I think you get an awful lot of, oh, dad, what are you doing? <laughs> but um, I think he could do some, he could do some fantastic stuff. I think he could do some really, really good stuff. And at the end of the day, he took a very, very broken product and he turned it into something kind of wonderful and fantastic. And you can't take the DLC away from from what he made because it was it was wonderful and it sounds terrible because it sounds like i hate dark souls 3 and i don't i really really like it as a game and i really really like it as for what it is um in terms of where it is in the list it's kind of it's scholar for me then it's bloodborne then it's dark souls then it's dark souls 3 and then it's original dark souls 2 that's where we kind of lie so Dark Souls is in the middle, and the reason for that is I've never been a fan of it pro kind of post an or Yeah, just yeah, that, never gel with me. Second That's half kind of the like game common kinda, complaint. Yeah. Yeah, 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 can be a bit tough. Um, Bloodborne is, yeah, wasn't a fan of Bloodborne, and Bloodborne completely turned me. I thought it was amazing. Well, um, I just I want to let you know as a as a person who's qualified to make this statement that <clears throat> even though that list is an opinion. And mm. opinions by ne- by definition can't really be wrong. That opinion yes. is one hundred percent wrong. I just I'm gonna go ahead and lay that down. <laughs> Are we gonna have this out right now? <laughs> Are you, is this is this what happened in the car? Are you bringing our stuff here, Jeremy? Uh, yep, in front of everybody else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what's the gonna... list? What, the, what was wrong with my list then? Um, well, number one, it was like, Dark Souls was one went, wasn't at the top. That's that's the first problem. Then you left out Demon Souls it? entirely, which I don't know what you're doing uh, there. You counted Dark Souls two twice. Uh, played um, <laughs> played Demon Souls for two hours and thought it was bunkum. <laughs> <It's> the... <laughs> uh, that's why it's not even on the list because it's not even a proper Souls game. It's not. That's <laughs> not a true statement. Everybody on Twitter, I'm sure you 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 know Richard and where, where to find him. And uh, I just want you to know that when this episode comes out, I want all of you, all of y'all that are listening to the episode, to pile on and tell him how wrong he is about Demon Souls. Oh, Demon Souls is okay. 
you know, it's, it's kind of slightly below Lords of the Fallen. Oh, <laughs> now we have found the Instagram clip for this episode. And <laughs> I want to make sure that everybody hears you say those words in that particular order. <laughs> Can I do it clearer? Okay. I believe in my heart of hearts that I, <laughs> Richard, who is the founder um, one of the founders of We're Not Wizards, which you can find on We're Not Wizards at Twitter, believe wholeheartedly that um, Lords of the Fallen is a considerably more well-rounded and enjoyable experience than the absolute kerfuffle that is known as Demon Souls. <laughs> I like how you knew that I was trying to get like a clip that I'm going to use to promote my show, so you went ahead and promoted your show during... <laughs> Uh, I don't even have a domain name for my show. I don't even know who owns DontGiveUpSkeleton.com. I should probably go look at that. Um, I've already bought it. <laughs> oh, shit. Damn it. I knew I shouldn't have waited. Uh, well, you heard you heard Richard just then say that he was part of the We're Not Wizards podcast. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a moment just to talk some sweet, sweet sugar about that podcast. If you're oh, interested in board games at all, him and Colin do an amazing job just by the two, but just by themselves discussing board games and will get you kind of enthusiastic about what board games are. But then he also does a series of where, you know, he has friends of the show on where he interviews people like me for some reason. I don't know why he, like I've played one board game in my life that was worth talking about. So he interviewed me about it. Uh, but he also actually gets people in the board game community, like game developers and designers that are, pretty famous and pretty nice and pretty awesome so definitely go check out that show he mentioned it was at weird not wizards and i think you can find that on itunes and all the other various places am i am i right on yeah that? Twi twitter and stitcher and instagram and facebook and yeah that was really nice of you where else can really they nice where else can they find you on the internet well if i've got my own kind of twitter account which is revatar which is r-e-v-a-t-a-r mm -hmm. um and I, I kind of talk nonsense as normal as I've done now, but I also draw people. Um, as I've drawn Jeremy, mm -hmm. um, as yeah, I draw Jeremy. Um, um, and I've drawn pretty much most people now. I think I've, I think there's about five people left in the Dark Souls community. <laughs> that <I haven't> drawn. <laughs> you need to go through uh, all of my Don't Give Up Skeleton guests now and see if you missed any of those. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, it could be an extra bonus. You there could you end go. up doing that as episode art. That's I true. didn't say that. I did not yeah, say that. Yeah, now you've committed to me to giving me a new a new piece of episode art every week. <laughs> Great job. Um, thank you. No, listen, thank you for having me on because I don't know how the hell you're going to edit this because it's going to be... Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to pull a patty and slap the two tracks together, put some music at the end, and I'm, I'm done. I'm not even going to listen to it. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm gonna. I'll probably listen to it and cringe, but um, no, no. no, I think it, I think it was fine. Um, again, <laughs> it, I mean, it's an okay episode. You know what I'm saying? It's it's it's. And if the episodes were the Souls games, right? Then okay, here we go. Then you would be. You know what? I can't even say that because I think you're so wrong about Demon Souls. I'm not even gonna make that comparison. <laughs> this was this this was fine. This was great. As a matter of fact, this was a groundbreaking. Of a, no. A groundbreaking episode. Groundbreaking episode. But thank you again. I very much appreciate it. As always, That's I've great. been your host, uh, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find this podcast on Twitter at DGUS Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr, and probably like 10 more social networks that have sprung up between the time I'm recording this and the time I will release it. 
Um, if you want to get on the show like Richard here, all you have to do is send me $45 in U.S. currency. Small bills prefer... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Just send me an email to dgspodcast <laughs> at gmail.com, and uh, we'll, we'll schedule a time to get you on the show. It'll be a lot of fun. And um, as always, if you have a few minutes to review the podcast, I would very much appreciate it. It helps get more listeners, which helps it, the podcast grow and helps me feel a lot cooler about my life than I actually am. And as always... Oh, that's not true. That's very true. That's exactly how give iTunes Jer- works. Give Jeremy a review. He works <laughs> bloody hard on these things. <laughs> I, don't, I don't work that hard on these things. Um, well, I don't know, but we want to give the illusion. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, I don't work for, Yeah, I mean, it's it's a... It's more work than people would probably think, but it's also not not a lot of hard work. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's good fun. Yeah, it until is. T- until tonight. Yeah, this <laughs> this was a misery. This was an exercise in misery, man. Oh, you can tell by the God. fact that I'm laughing so much. Anyway, remember out there, don't give up, skeleton. We'll see you next time. You did the thingy. I did the thingy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's. spent every podcast I've guested on calling you the worst <laughs> you really have it's very mean to be honest with you like it's it's kind of it's kind of been personally assaulted like I, I, that's how I feel like I've been personally assaulted and I can't do anything that I don't know if you know this but um, if an American calls into Scotland they will not listen to any crimes or anything that I report so they just literally just <laughs> hang up on me I've tried reporting you several times and sent them audio clips literally done nothing no well you know, it's okay. <laughs>